Welcome to the 3 and D pod. My name is Drew and I'm joined here by my boy, Worldwide Wayne Patrick Wizzy. What's good, man? Hey, everything's good right now, bro. Chilling. New location. New location. New location alert. Change the scenery, bro. We're here at my house. The crib, man. Because the wife and the kid are both out for a little while and one of our cards is dead. Oh, man. So I said, Wayne, desperate times, call for desperate measures. And so we're here. Also, I'm a little under the weather, so I'm sorry about that if you hear me cough and or sniffle and or pass out. <laughs> if you just hear a thump on the ground, yes, it is Drew. Drew's gone. Yes. <laughs> Wayne, will, Wayne will carry on, though. Uh, yeah, I'll we'll, carry on. We'll all be good. No, no ambulance needed. We'll be all right. Hey, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at 3ND underscore pod. Again, that's at 3, the number 3. The letter N as in Nancy. Ooh, Nancy. And the letter D as in Drizzy. Ooh, Drew, Drizzy not Drake. Drew. Underscore pod. Don't forget to follow us. We keep y'all updated about episodes that come out. And uh, we also share just little things about our pods from, from here and there. A stat line we might want to share or whatever it may be. So, ooh, <laughs> I guess that's the alert. It's time to go. It's time to start. All right, so first things first, Wayne, I think it's pretty clear we need to talk about the talk of the week. We could probably literally spend the next 30 minutes talking about Zion Zion alone. Williamson. I just want you to give me your initial reactions, period. Just point blank. Maybe what were your expectations going in? Mine were fairly low Mm -hmm. because I know he's coming off of injury. But what were yours? Give me your thoughts. Give me your reactions. Were you watching the game live? Give it to me. So I was watching the game live because he was playing my Spurs. And so I was tuned in for that one all the way while doing some homework for my for my class. So multitasking at its finest. Um, but, yeah, my expectations were a little low because I know he was on a minutes restriction and all that stuff. So he wasn't going to play a lot um, in the quarter. Like he – came in for like different like three minute stints or like four minute stints or whatever and so but from watching the game in the first maybe 75 percent of the game like he was he was doing zion like things they just weren't his buckets weren't falling um he was you know getting rebounds he was making crazy passes he's like, pushing the pushing the break yeah pushing the tempo and all that stuff and so he was doing like zion at duke things and i was like okay we kind of expected this but I also know that Pop also game plan for that. And so I think the first – I didn't get to watch the first half of the game, but from what I heard, they drew up a play for him to get a lob from the very first play, yeah. but they the Spurs prevented that because yeah. they probably knew that was coming. From the from the get-go, they, they won the tip, and I think Lonzo was bringing the ball up, and they were running, and I was like, Zion's trying to get to the basket, man. <laughs> just, just clamp it up. And they did, and they ended up going to somebody else, um, and he scored, but – um, I, I could tell. Even the announcers knew like that play was that play was for Zion, but the Spurs blew it up. Um, so they're trying to get him back into the groove of things, and he found that groove in the fourth quarter. Did he because, ever? Because I don't know for whatever reason we were just leaving him open on the three point line, and I was like, bro, you give him at least they gave him two, and I was like, okay, the third one you got to contest. Pearl said, nah, bro, give him three. Then honestly, with that form, I would have gave it to him still two, yeah. even if I saw two go in. Yeah. That but, is a wacky looking jumper. But homie made four in a row. He looks like a bullfrog shooting <laughs> a 
like a pebble. You know what I mean? <laughs> it looks like that. <laughs> Honestly, it's a wacky, dude. What an analogy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Am so, I wrong? I mean, come no, on. You're, you're right. Bullfrog shooting a pebble. I can I compare it to LeBron. If you notice, LeBron has like different shooting styles. You can tell when he's on fire when he shoots a three. Like he'll jump and his feet are, you know, he'll do the, the actual form. But when you know, like when he's lazy and he's just like, ooh, and he's just messing around. He has like this flat-footed, like small jump shot, right? That, like, and it goes in, but like it's that's what Zion has, but that's Zion's like everything shot. Like it's this small, lazy kind of jump shot, but it works yeah. for him. So, so before this game, they tell you that somebody predicts the future. They say, "Yeah, Zion is gonna shoot almost four consecutive threes in the in the clutch and in, in in a game that matters." Would you have believed them? No. Neither would anybody else. <laughs> Except Zion. Except Zion. What's crazy is at Duke, I think I heard something like uh, over the course of the whole season, he only made like three or four threes, period, in yeah. the whole season. Yeah. And he made four threes, four of four in his debut. Yeah. Whew. He been in the lab. Zion, Zion in the three-point contest? No. Because <laughs> he'll, would, he'll make like, one shot a rack. <laughs> yeah. I on it. Listen, it was great. It was amazing. We'll never forget this debut. Mm-hmm. However, he is not going to be that guy moving forward. I mean, he's already had another game yeah, beyond this, the, and he was 0 of 1 from 3. Uh, he had a good game, 7 yeah. of 9. Had some good energy plays, a nice block that like went into the stands. Yo, that was that Although was it was a goaltend. It was, Nobody wants to say it. It was low-key a goaltend. It was yes, a goaltend. I had some time. I watched it on repeat a good like 10 times to right. see if the ball was coming down. And it was. It had plateaued, and it was on its way down just a little bit. But we're just here for the highlights, so yeah. it's all good. So what did you think about the – yeah, go ahead. Did you notice the guy who caught the ball in the stands did not spill his beer? I saw that. That deserves to be recognized. Yes. Just saying. All right. That guy has his priorities in line. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what did you think about how they used Zion in terms of his minutes? Because it looked like they were doing like four-minute spurts almost. Mm-hmm. Almost at the beginning of every quarter. So yeah. what did you think about that um, over the course of the whole game? Because I, I personally feel, look, integrating a guy of that magnitude into what they were already doing is very, I feel like, really hard. Mm-hmm. And I think even the guy like Brandon Ingram is starting to feel it too because he hasn't been the same guy since Zion's been back because you have to get used to fitting in a guy like that into your system. And especially when he only comes in for what feels like 30 seconds and then he's out. And it's yeah. like, well, what do we, you know, what do we do now? We've been basing it around him. So what did you think about that and will it work moving forward? Um, I thought it was fine. Uh mainly because they they were putting him out there with guys who would get him the ball like Lonzo, who is even even though he struggled a little bit, he is one of the best passers, best like court vision guys. Really good for Zion too, yeah. I feel like. And and down that stretch when he was hitting all those shots, <laughs> if you look if you look at it and you watch the guy who was getting them those assists or getting them the ball was Lonzo yeah. in the fourth quarter. So I think putting him out there with Lonzo really helped him out because Lonzo will find him and he'll get him the ball. He knows exactly where to put it. And so even though he was playing, you know, four-minute stints or whatever, it's the people who were out there with him. Like they had Ingram out, out there with him a few times. Um, and Ingram did look a little lost in that Spurs game. He didn't know exactly what to do because, yeah, you got to yeah. figure out how to play with him. I think but, it was a mental thing too, though. Like yeah. he knew that game was about Zion, yeah, and I think it just kind of got to him. But he's got to get over that because 
he's he should be a core piece to what they do moving forward, but they got to figure out how to use him because the reality is is Brandon Ingram is super long and able to get to the basket. Um, he's not like a prolific three-point shooter, although he can shoot it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's the issue that Philadelphia faces with Joel and Ben Simmons. you got to figure out how to make it work with those two guys. Um, I really think Zion needs to – at least getting started, really be like a strong pick and roll guy and just like eat the boards up kind of guy. Like just a real big energy booster mm-hmm. um, because that's really what he is. I mean, I know we have these expectations for him and stuff. He's a highlight machine, but for what this team needs, I think a guy that just like brings the energy, like one of those guys where you never see rebound highlights, he would be one that you're like, dang, yeah. you know what I mean? Like he's that kind of guy. And they got to find a way to make it work. There were really two funny things that I saw in this game. Number one, I saw <laughs> I saw a tweet where Zion was on the bench in this game, and they put <clears throat> they put a stat underneath his name, and it said something like Zion Williamson, two hundred eighty five pounds, third heaviest player in the NBA. And this dude quoted it, and he was like, "How would you feel if your company just sent out an email that said?" You were the third fattest person in your company. <laughs> that really cracked me up. But the dude's huge. Yeah. Um, the second thing was in that fourth quarter when he was nailing all of those threes, Alvin Gentry was getting ready to sub him out. Mm-hmm. And he sent like three or four players to the uh, the scorer's table to check them in. And every time he would make a three, Gentry would send them back. <laughs> and then he'd send a new player, and then he'd make a three, and he'd send them back, and he kept doing this. <laughs> and he couldn't make up his mind. It's got to be tough for Gentry because I know he wants to keep him in. But obviously, I'm sure David Griffin kind of gave him like the, hey, this is what I want to keep it at. Yeah. And then finally they took him out. And apparently Zion told Gentry, he said, Coach, keep me in like I I know I can help us win this game and mm-hmm. unfortunately he just had to take him out and no fortunately you know, fortunately for for the, <laughs> for Spurs, the Spurs fan on the other side of me um but since he's came back they're they're 0 and 2 uh which for them the only reason it matters is because they are trying to fight to get that 8th seed and they're kind of every game matters at this point so mm-hmm. But for us as fans, it was really fun to see, especially something that we didn't expect. Like, we were all thinking, Zion's coming back. He's about to just shake the rim, like, poster after poster. And we get four of four from three-pointer. Like, what in the world? Mr. Bullfrog. He took Steph Curry's left hand and said, it's mine now. (laughs) Zion Curry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Me and Wayne went to... The Rockets game on Monday, MLK Day. Yes, sir. Shout out to Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. the GOAT. Um, we Well, first of all, let me say this. We did have a really good time. It was an enjoyable game. More than anything, when you go to a game in person, I feel like I'm one of those people, like, even though, like, yes, I'm a Rockets fan, I would – well, this is tough to say. I would rather see them lose in a very close game because it's exciting mm-hmm. than to, for them to win and it be a blowout. So unfortunately, unfortunately, they lost, but it was a really exciting game. Yeah. Uh, Wayne, what were your thoughts on this game besides James Harden losing his uh, soul? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened to James Harden that game, man. It, I mean, they were 
before that game, they were on, what, like a three-game losing streak? Four yeah. Game? Or the, was that the fourth well, game? I don't remember. It either made it a, th- a three-game losing streak or a four-game losing streak. Yeah, but if you like, if you go back in those games, like Harden has just been kind of, <coughs> kind of MIA. Um, he kind of found himself when they won recently, um, but I don't know. James Harden just seemed a little bit off. He was doing the normal things, you know, the step back threes that create space, driving in the lane and stuff like that. It's just nothing was falling, and so, and of course they're playing OKC and Chris Paul for whatever reason went off in the first half and was like that was iconic me and Wayne were sitting there going like are we about to witness 30 <laughs> 34 35 year old Chris Paul put up like a 40 to 50 point game yeah he was going off in the first half i mean sidestep middies like just oh my you breaking everybody that that down. steal on the break and then the corner three oh my oh dude. my goodness that was iconic yeah that was someone took literally a only the that. first half though yeah because he had 25 in the first half and the game would he had 27 in the first half, and I think he ended with 28 or 29. Yeah, because he had a free throw, and that was it in the second half. Yeah. So he kind of chilled out, but what happened was everybody else around him stepped up. And so, like, Schroeder, I mean, for whatever reason, was like, I'm, I'm amazing at basketball, and he just took off. And so – But the Rockets had, like, an 18-point lead in the third quarter. Yeah. And then that fourth quarter was the collapse. Mm-hmm. I was sitting there looking, and I was like, you know, the Rockets are up right now. They're playing some good ball. Uh, Daniel House Jr. is going off. You see that? Remember that dunk he had? Oh, he dude. rose up over his shoulder, and Oof. I was just like, and like Wayne, being Wayne was sitting there, caved in, just yeah, like, oh my, my goodness, chest, like that hurt me. Like <laughs> the rim is just shattered right now. Um, but yeah, and so people were going off, and people were stepping up, even though James Harden was having an off night. And then the fourth quarter, for whatever reason, like it just well, it's almost like right when he came in, actually. Yeah. Because um, Russ had that second unit going and going mm-hmm. good. Uh, Russ had a great game. As a matter of fact, just a quick stat here. Russ and LeBron become the only two players who have had a triple-double against every team. And obviously Russ made all that happen in his time at OKC, and the only team left was OKC. He gets traded to the Rockets, and now he gets it over OKC. So congrats to him. That's an amazing feature. Um, He was great. I think the thing is – Russ has been playing out of his mind recently. I think last night against the T-Wolves, he had a 45-point triple-double. Oh, my goodness. And so he's going crazy. I think his surge is almost making James Harden either question like his role within it or just seeing that Russ is doing so good that maybe it's getting to his mental, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think I know – I think every player cares about stats – Mm-hmm. That is that. I mean, yeah. I mean, is there any argument with that? M- maybe some players don't. James, a guy like James Harden and Russell Westbrook, they care yeah, about what they, they put got, up. They gotta care. Um, and James Harden last night again was like three for thirteen. I know he went out with like a knee or thigh injury, but just really hasn't been finding his rhythm. And in that OKC game that we were at, you go one from seven, one for seventeen from three. You have to find something else to do. Mm-hmm. And even Dan Tony after the game was asked about this and basically was like, you know what? Harden, he can shoot that way and he can shoot us into games and out of games and he's done it plenty of times. And basically sounded like, I'm going to leave it alone. Like, I'm not going to tell him to stop shooting these, which in my opinion is a problem. You need your coach to tell even your star players the tough things that need to be heard. Am am, am I right by saying that? Like, he needs to be told 
what he's doing wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, after that game, though, I know the next game he shot maybe six threes, and then last night another game where he shot six threes, definitely off from what he usually shoots. So I think he's taking it a little bit more into consideration, like I need to do something else for the sake of my team. Um, but I'm hoping just that he finds his groove, mm-hmm. essentially. But that was a fun game. Yeah. Freaking Gallinari. Dude. <laughs> Gallinari. Um, who else? Uh, what's well, other Schroeder and Gallinari and Shy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was- Gala kind of came in a little bit at the end. Who is the dude with the very interesting name on OKC? Oh, Diop? Um, Dort. Dort? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Hustle. Dort. Dort sounds like an insult because it sounds so close to Dork. Yeah. With know, a K. Maybe, maybe you should change his last name. <laughs> we'll see. Jalen Brown. We have another baptism in the NBA. Ooh, who got baptized? LeBron James himself. LeBron James? Right over LeBron James, Jalen Brown, which, which, by the way, Boston and the Lakers have quite the rivalry uh, with just their history with Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and then Paul Pierce and Kobe. Like, there's a probably one of the two biggest um, – sports markets like overall not just basketball but boston celtics and lakers they they have this they've had this going for a while and the lakers just could not find their groove in this game and Mm -mm. the celtics blew them out and this was kind of like the exclamation point when jalen brown did this however however he gets teed up for staring him down for maybe four to five seconds and getting back on the other end Mm -hmm. he gets a technical which is so stupid to me. Yes. Why do players need to get technicals for bringing energy and just an excitement to the game? Like, I feel like you're basically telling players, just play the game and don't do anything that would maybe cause a little bit of drama or a little bit of feud between the two teams. Like, my question is, where do we draw the line when it comes to taunting? Like, what's too much? And what's too little? Give me your opinion on that. Well, I don't know. Sometimes it's it's up to the refs, and sometimes it depends on what refs you have in that game and how sensitive they are. Because, I mean, I've seen players stare down other players. I've seen players step over other players and not get anything. And then I've seen, you know, the Jalen Brown thing where he stares, stares at LeBron and he gets a tech. And so sometimes it depends on what ref – you have in that game and how sensitive they are or how closely they they officiate by the book or by the law of officiating, whatever it is. Um, so that all plays a factor into it. But I don't think staring down other players should get you a technical. Like, that just seems like a waste of time. It seems silly to me. Like, it's part of the game. Like you just dunked over LeBron freaking James. If I dunked over LeBron James – I'd be staring him down too. He's going to know that I just elevated over his entire body. Like, I'm, I'm going to tell him. Right. So I don't I, understand. I think I'm a little bit more old school in this stance. Yeah. I believe <coughs> if you're not making cont like if you're not touching that player, mm-hmm. like I could get it if you like shoved his chest and said, you know, get out my way, like you're too small or whatever it may be. Yeah. But if you're not making any contact, like I'm fine with all the jawing. I'm fine with the stare downs, the trash talk. That whole Jimmy Butler, TJ Warren situation, even then, I don't even really feel like it was warranted that 
TJ Warren get kicked out of the game. Mm-hmm. He got kicked out because it was his second technical because he was clapping in Jimmy Butler's face. But he wasn't touching him. Yeah. So I feel like if play, players should be disciplined enough to be like, all right, I can take this. Like, guys clapping in my ear. I'm going to just follow it up with my player, how I trash talk back to him. Like, it would make the game more fun. Mm-hmm. It's just the reality of it. And in Jalen Brown's case, like, this was, the like, the least of these. Like, come on, dude. You stare down the greatest player of our generation because you dunked over him, like, for four seconds and you get a T? Yeah. Why? And this goes back to, like, like you said, old school basketball. I remember a time when Paul Pierce – was a game on the line, and he was being guarded by, uh, I forgot who it was, but they were trash-talking each other as the game's going on, as he's dribbling out the clock. Like, trash-talking and all that and taunting is part of the game. Right. And so, like, I don't understand how we've gotten here. And, like, it happened in the NFL, too, not to bring up the NFL you know, NBA podcast, but, like, the celebrations, like, after a touchdown. Like, they, you know, you could get flagged for that depending on how excessive it was or whatever. Sure. And then they just did away with it, and they were like, you know, just go and have fun. Let your personality just go, which I think for once the NFL got something right where you can just you score a touchdown. You deserve to do whatever the heck you want to do. Yeah. And I think why the NBA maybe has these heavy guidelines on it is because they I know they're looking out for the safety of the players and the fans. And you could even maybe take that like malice at the palace situation. And they look at those big things and they go, we want to try to avoid this by any means. But. To me, it's just a case of being way too careful. Like, Mm -hmm. listen, it's okay. And you know what? Fights are going to happen. And those brawls are going to, they're going to come about at some point. But also, it doesn't lose entertainment value. If if anything, it brings it up. Yeah. So dive into it. Like, it's fine. We need to maybe reel it back a little bit when it comes to these restrictions on how players react to other players. It would make the game more fun. Kind of like what happened at that Kansas game, NCAA. Oh yeah, I saw that. That was intense. Dude, dude blocked him at the end, and he like was staring him down. That is almost a little too far, in my opinion, because I mean, brawl came he, in later. Did he touch him? He he was standing over him. I don't know if he touched him or not, but it was like he was standing over him. And I mean, Kansas already won the game. Like they were up like ninety something to fifty something. Yeah. So at that point, I'm like, okay, you can taunt, but like, don't. Like kids on the ground, they already lost a game by 40-plus points or whatever. You don't have to taunt at that moment. Mm. I mean, he did, and he paid the price for it, and he got suspended like 12 games because he picked up a chair. See, so. this, I mean, this is probably where me and you disagree. Like, I'm fine with that, in my opinion. And I, mean, I, I get I'm it from what it, yeah. from what came of it, you know, a big yeah. broad, a college game. I get it, but I just think it brings so much entertainment value and just like – Oh, we we want we want to see that. Give oh, the yeah. fans what they want. We don't want to see players putting their hands on each other necessarily. Um, so I guess they're making all these to not even get close to that line, but the line is just too fragile right now. Yeah. That's my only thing. It's like let's let's reel it back just a little bit. At least the stare downs. Mm-hmm. Let him stare down. Who cares? Yeah. Like he didn't even say anything to him. Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum dunked over LeBron in the playoffs two years ago and bumped him with his chest after the dunk and nothing yeah. happened. Yeah. Okay. And then this in a regular season game? Come on. I guess you can get away with more in the playoffs. Yeah. Just a little bit. Dwight Howard has officially announced his, officially, officially announced, I guess himself, 
that he's entering the dunk contest. And I heard, Wayne, this is something I heard. Ooh, speculations. No, not speculation. Ooh, not speculation. It's facts. Oh, facts. He asked the NBA if he could be in the dunk contest. They did not ask him. Huh. I have no idea why. Maybe just to get his image back up to where it needs to be again. I don't really know, but they didn't come to him. 30-something-year-old Dwight came to the NBA and said, I'd like to be in there. And Wasn't it him that was like, you know, people were asking him about being in the dunk contest, and he was like, you know, just dismissing it? I, yeah, because I guess he wanted to announce it officially himself at oh. that time. But Okay. Uh, I don't really have an opinion on that. I mean, do your thing, I guess. Uh, but so cool. he apparently wants Kobe to help him out in the dunk contest, which I feel like is really interesting, mm-hmm. but doesn't necessarily want to ask him Himself, he wants the Lakers fans to get behind this and, I guess, help and encourage Kobe from now to then to to have him be a part of Dwight's dunk contest repertoire. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> this is classic Dwight Howard. Like, the man is just a goofball and a wild card. But he had a clean slate before this. Like, this season's been great, and then this yeah. weird, like... It's always something with him, man. Like, you were so close. something weird, like... Just go ask Kobe yourself. Like, what is – we don't need fans to go to – like, this is like when you like a girl and, you you know, you see her off in the distance and you look at your homeboy, you're like, oh, dude, like, she's kind of fire, man. Like, she's kind of nice. Hey, why don't you go talk to her for me see if she <laughs> see if she likes me? Like, come on. Just go up to her yourself and, and, and lay man her up. down. Like, come on. Are you saying Dwight – never mind. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Dwight needs to go to Kobe and be like, look, bro, I want you to help me out in the dunk contest. Simple as that. Yes or no. Move on. What I really feel like he's doing, though, is he's in this season, he's trying to make all his wrongs right from what the perception of him. Because mm-hmm. you remember when he was previously with the Lakers at a much higher magnitude of his career, just coming off of surgery, all that stuff, him and Kobe did not really get along. And then when he was with the Rockets, you remember that game where Kobe yelled across at him across the court saying, soft. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Soft. Mm -hmm. And so we know that there's this kind of, I guess, tension between him and Kobe, and maybe he feels like this will make it right. I don't know. So he can get get right with all the fan base maybe, but it's just weird. Listen, Kobe's not going to do this. Yeah, I don't see Kobe doing it. I don't see him falling for it. So No, I – yeah. What would he do? Just throw him a lob or something? Probably. I don't, don't know. Don't do it, Kobe. Do what Steve Nash did for Amari Stoudemire and do like a little rainbow heel flip thing. Oh, that was nice. That I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, good luck, Dwight. <laughs> Bring back the cape. There was an interview this week, Wayne, with uh, Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports. He sat down with... Uh, Bradley Beal to talk about a few things and I I mean I sent this to you because I thought it was interesting and it I think brings up a lot of good discussion but essentially what the interview came down to if you guys haven't had a chance to watch it it's maybe 40 minutes so if you got some time go listen to it it's really good Um, but Chris Haynes is basically asking Bradley Beal hey a lot of people may want to know like why Washington Washington why did you decide to sign this extension last summer and stay with a team that you know is pretty bad I mean even in the summer they didn't have a GM at the time that was in flux and John Wall's injured and all this stuff why would you decide to stay 
And basically what it came down to was Bradley Beal wanted to get his bag. There is a window in every player's career where it's like the prime time to get your money, right? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if it includes winning or not. You're just going to you're you're going to get what what you need to be safe for the rest of your career, maybe if you get injured or whatever it may be. And a really good point that they made was both of them, Chris Haynes and uh, Bradley Beal, once you sign that contract, you can kind of negotiate your career how you want. But if you leave that contract behind and you maybe jump the ship a little bit, you might not have as many opportunities because mm-hmm. you never really know what's going to happen. Uh, so he, he got his money, and he apparently he's really big on loyalty, like a Damian Lillard. We know Damian Lillard is very dedicated to the uh, the city of Portland and wants to be there for his whole career, even no matter the, the wins or losses, because he really cares about loyalty. So my question to you, Wayne, if loyalty is the the factor that is maybe surpassing joining a championship team, when is loyalty, when do you say enough is enough? Which I almost feel like is bad for loyalty because mm-hmm. loyalty is loyalty. But if you're, oh, if you're a player more. and you have a window – when is enough enough? Um, oh, that's a good question. I, I guess this is a personality thing too. Like, different people are, you know, Damian Lillard is like sold out. Like, yeah, I'm gonna stay here unless the team trades me. Mm-hmm. You know, like unless the team feels like I'm not doing all I can, I'm gonna be here. Like this is my team. And you get like both sides of the coin. Like you get the Damian Lillards and you get the Bradley Beals, but you also get the Kevin Durant's who, you know, I want my rings, and that's all I want. So he left OKC. Or Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, want the rings, nothing was happening in New Orleans. And so he's, you know, jumped ship, went to the Lakers. And, I mean, I don't – like, I don't blame anyone for not being loyal to a team because everyone's different. And so if you want to chase rings, go chase your rings. If if teams are willing to pick you up and pay you whatever it is that they think you deserve – then, you know, that's on them and that's on you. You do what you got to do. You better win a ring. That's all I know. Yeah. And so, like, Kevin Durant left. He got his rings. Like, he, he's fine. He's chilling. And yeah. now he's on the nets with Kyrie and rehabbing from injury. Hopefully can do the same thing again with over there in Brooklyn. Which and Bradley Beal did make it known, too, inside of this, like, which I thought this was very honest of him. And I feel like we don't get this kind of honesty from a lot of players. But Bradley Beal basically said, like, I wanted to be the guy. Like, I didn't want to be a piece to something else. Like, yeah. I didn't want to be the shooter in the corner for a championship team. Like, I want to make my reputation as to be the guy. Like, yeah, that, like, I make my reputation so big that, like, when I go to other cities, like, we see Beal jerseys and we see more Wizards jerseys, you know. Yeah. Um, which I don't think a lot of players would admit to that, but I feel like it's in the back of the minds of a lot of players, too. Like – to to make a team their team and i'm and i'm sure inside of that too you build up the all-star accolades and you build up the all nba teams and you build up the probability of even getting an mvp in these individual accolades i feel like for a lot of players maybe there's a window in their career where where it's about two things individual accolades and money get those two things and then once you feel like you've established yourself then you can kind of make some career choices based around 
chasing that ring, getting that first championship. Yeah. Which I don't know if that's ever going to happen for him. I hope it does. And he says he wants to do that in Washington and he wants more than one. I just don't ever really see that happening. I feel like for him, this was about building up his reputation as a, as a player mm-hmm. and getting, getting the money. Yeah. I, I feel like at some point down the line, we will see him on another team. Yeah, point. probably. Um, and like I said, <coughs> I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad at him for that. It, it's his choice. It's whatever. Um, so I feel like Bradley Bill, if anybody, is one of those people that deserves to be on a team that's going in the right direction. Because right now the Wizards don't seem like that team at all. And so he's one of those players where I'm just like I I want something good to happen for him. I want him to get a ring and someone to just like you know, take a chance on black, come over here and join this organization. Yeah. We'll pay you whatever. Um, just come get a ring with us. That's pretty much it. Yeah. So. And the other thing is you're in a smaller market and that's not always the destination for great players. Unfortunately, it yeah. does have to happen through the draft, which he said, Chris Haynes a- asked him, you know, what, what was one of the big things about Washington? And he straight up said, they're trusting me. They drafted me. You know, this is, this is my first home in the NBA, which I guess means a lot to, to certain players that they that a team would take a chance on them. So mm-hmm. uh, they also stepped into the all-star voting a little bit. Mm-hmm. Bradley Beal right now is averaging close, very close to 30 points, maybe 28 points a game, 27. Um, but amongst guards in the East, he came in ninth, ninth in the fan voting. And so the question was around, centering around all-star fan voting, and Bradley Beal was pretty adamant, like, dude, get rid of it. And basically made reference to there are fans that have their favorite players, and then there are fans who actually keep up with the NBA and understand there's no favoritism. It's just like they see talent mm-hmm. as what it is, and they make their votes based on that. So he certainly wasn't lumping all of them into one category that said, we only vote for our favorite players. Yeah. But he was like, 50% because as it stands now, 50% van, fan voting and then uh, 25% media, 25% player voting to make up the overall selections. He said, you know, that's too much. And Chris Haynes made this uh, kind of proposition, and I think it's a good idea, but you make it 25% fans, 25% media, and 50% player votes to ultimately come out with because they're not going to completely strip fan voting because the fans m- make up the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you think maybe about reworking it in that way? Would that be a smart idea? Would it be more realistic? Would we see what we want in terms of that? I think so. I think we will because you, fans, yeah, fan, we need fans as part of the game to kind of keep people engaged and keep people wanting to you know, watch the NBA or whatever. But sometimes when you give them too much power – they abuse it, and you see it with all these different, like, uh, with like the talent shows or the singing shows or whatever, where you know the judges vote for so long and then they let the fans vote. And I've always seen this, where like you could have someone who's really talented and can really sing, and they not make it because the fans want the better story or they want the or the good per- looking the good looking girl or guy. Yeah, and so we've had people win these shows who definitely don't deserve it because the fans are voting, and so. You want the fans to be engaged, yes, but you also know that the fans are also going to, you know, are highly opinionated and they're going to vote for whoever the heck they want. Sometimes they don't look at talent. They don't look at 
who's putting up the numbers. They just look at, oh, I'm a Alex Caruso fan, so Caruso's got to be an All Star, and so right. Um, not to not a shot at Alex Caruso, but I mean he's not putting up numbers. Like I'll Brad shot Bale. at Alex Caruso. You shouldn't be in there. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I mean, as dope as he is, or he looks like he is, like he, he's not putting up the numbers. He's not. There are people who are grinding at this game better than he is, <coughs> and they're not getting the recognition, aka Bradley Beal. Sure. Anyway, so yeah, twenty five percent for the fans. I think that takes down some of their power. Still gives them a chance to vote, and they can put in names to take into consideration. But they won't sway it so much with yeah. 50%. And the players who would receive the 50% side of it, mm-hmm. they're the ones going up against guys every night. And that's something Bradley Beal brought up. He used some choice words in there. Yeah. Yes, you know. he did. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like basically he was saying, like, we know who the baddest dudes are out there. Uh, yeah. so, so we should know like mm-hmm. how we make our votes and who should really be in there. Um, I'll bring up a point uh, about this a little later on. The NBA All-Star starters were selected this this week real quick. In the West, we for the front court, we had LeBron, Kawhi, Anthony Davis, and then the guards, we had James Harden and Luka Doncic. Wayne, I didn't really have any argument with this side of things. Did you – I mean, was there any players that you thought maybe should be in there versus these guys? I mean, I feel like it was – No, that was – that's pretty The clear. only argument that you could make is in regards to Kawhi maybe missing so many games. Yeah. But besides that, we know he's one of the, if not the best player on the planet right now. So, yeah. why not, you know? Yeah, go ahead, throw him in there. Uh, in the East, in the front court, we had Pascal Siakam, Joel Embiid, Giannis. Giannis, and in the front or uh, in the back court, we had Trey Young and Kemba Walker. Yep. So three first-time All Stars, literally not even as a reserve, just first-time period. Pascal Siakam, Trey Young, and Luca, and and Luca. Thank yep. you. Um, these guys have never been in the All Star game, and they're making their way in. Young players as starters. Maybe we have a little bit more uh, debate on these on these five in the East. Did you have any problem with the five that you're seeing that they selected? Um, not really. I mean, you can make the argument that like, uh, if you want to go by how they how these players and their teams are doing, you can make the argument that Trey Young is on the worst team in the NBA right now. Why is he an All Star? Well, he's an all-star because he's shining on that team. Even though the team is not doing as well, the all-star is about the person, the all-star. It's not about the all-star team. Sure. It's about the all-star and how is he doing. And he's putting up he's putting up numbers. And so um, I say he should be in there. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I, I kind of feel like, like Jimmy Butler could have been in there somewhere, but I just don't know who I would take out to put him in as like the starter for the all-stars. Well, and the prop, one of the problems, and I know me and you were facing this when we, when we were choosing our reserves, which we're going to get to in just a little bit, but overall, maybe in the, the game itself, like the NBA itself and basketball, but especially in all-star, they need to get rid of positions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We positionless all, basketball. We, I mean, we already play positionless basketball, but when it comes down to it, we just like to throw a title in there. Yeah. But, you throw your best five guys out on the court because there's so much spacing now that like a center might not necessarily, not that they don't matter. Like we know there's value in that, but 
in terms of what the people actually want to see, and this is something I was, I, I told you guys I was going to bring up later. I'll bring it up now, but my big thing is between like impact versus like flashiness maybe. Like there are guys that I might rather see in an all-star game versus ones that I don't really want to see. Mm-hmm. Like a couple of years ago when all five starters for the Atlanta Hawks went into the game, I wasn't like, woohoo, I'm really excited to see Jeff Teague and Al Horford, you know, hoop it up. Yeah. There are players where, yes, I feel like they are deserving from an impact standpoint, but there are also the players like a Trey Young who are on a very bad team, but we know they got skill and they're on the highlight reel almost every night. Yeah. My big thing is if you took away positions, then you – most people would gravitate more towards, I feel like, the more, like, all-star worthy, like, you want to see uh, highlights from that night. Like, it would gravitate more towards that, or at least a step in that direction. And I feel like that's what needs to happen overall. Like, let's just get rid of positions and just put the players that, like, do we, is an all-star more about at the end of your career saying, I have this many all-stars? all-star selections or is it more about like the fan experience and having like a really fun game because honestly dude like I don't want to see Al Horford in an all-star game yeah I know he's a very impactful player mm-hmm. from a team concept but in the all-star game I'm not trying to see him pull up a three both elbows out over his head <laughs> launching it I'm not trying to see all that yeah I think that's something they need to rework and it, we might not ever come to something that's perfect, but at least something they need, need to figure out in the future. Yeah, my only thing with the the East starters mm-hmm. was maybe Trey Young. Uh, but he's going to be exciting to watch, so I really don't have a problem with it in that yeah. regard. Just more uh, between the argument of do wins matter in the All-Star game, and mm-hmm. some people would say they do, and some people would say they don't. Uh, I feel like for the All-Star game, here's my opinion on it. When it comes to the All-Star game, wins do not matter. When it comes to choosing All-NBA selections, wins matter. Yeah. All-NBA is, I feel like, really important. Just people dismiss it. The All-Star game is fun, and it's about flashiness. We yeah. want to see that. Um, so I think we should start leaning a little bit more into mm-hmm. that. Yep. I hear you, bro. So, Wayne, let's choose our – they're going to announce the seven reserves on Thursday – and according to the page on Google, <laughs> shout out Google, <laughs> shout out to Google, um, they choose, <coughs> excuse me, three front court players, two guards, and two wild cards, which I'm assuming is just any player between a front court and a back court. I would much rather choose these all stars not based around position, but. If we're going to do it in terms of the NBA, mm-hmm. um, we're going to give just our predictions on what we think is going to shake out uh, on Thursday night on TNT when they announce these. So here's what I got for mine, and then you can give me yours. All right, we'll see ahead. if they match up a little bit. So in the East, I'm going to name my three front court. So I had one where it was between these two guys, and so I put them both down, and I'm going to announce who I think it is right now. Okay, go ahead. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum on Ooh. the Celtics. I don't know. There, There is not going to be three Boston Celtics in the All-Star game between Kemba, Brown, and Tatum. I just don't see it happening. 
So I'm going to lean a little bit more towards Jason Tatum getting the nod. Uh, sorry, Jalen Brown, you've been playing great. I just think uh, Tatum's going to get They're the nod. Absolutely averaging like 20 points a game. Something but like I that. feel like Tatum on the fan side is a little – Oh yeah. people gravitate towards him a little bit more. A little bit yeah. flashier. He's got the – Nice handle on the step back and just a smooth player, more so than Brown. Mm-hmm. So I got Tatum, DeMontis Sabonis from the Pacers, and then um, – sorry, I, I'm i trying to see who were my wild cards and who were not. Okay, so Jason Tatum, DeMontis Sabonis, mm-hmm. and Jimmy Butler are my three front court players. And then for guards, I have Ben Simmons and Kyle Lowry. Ooh, Kyle Lowry. And then my two wild cards are Bam Adebayo and Derrick Rose. Wow. You know what? Our list is actually kind of similar, but not too much. All right. What what differed from mine for, for yours? Okay. So I have um, <coughs> for my front court players, I have Jimmy Butler. I have Jason Tatum, and I put in Bam Adebayo. So those are my three front court. And then my guards are going to be Beal and Kyrie. I, I know. I know. I love – Kyrie is my dude, man. I can't I can't do it. I can't do it to him. Which we, then, we should let the people know, too, that the ones who make these selections mm-hmm. are the coaches. Yeah, the coaches make these so selections. So there will be some – it's not going to be a popularity contest, Mm-mm. but we're choosing our reserves, but we should let them know, like, hey, when they choose these, coaches are the ones who select them. Yeah, and, and as the coaches are voting, I'm, I know this is my list. I don't I don't even know if Kyrie's going to make it in there because he missed some games, and I don't know if he's just, like, I don't know. I just don't, I don't think the coaches will vote. The, co- the coaches will choose more based off impact than yeah. – popularity or st- status that's what that's where my picks leaned towards because i was trying to get into the heads of them yeah. a little bit more yeah but i love i love me some kyrie irving man i love watching him play and then my wild cards um would be ben simmons and marco fultz oh markel fultz yes leave my house <laughs> why not demontis sabonis I don't know. I have well, maybe it's because I don't watch him play. I don't watch the don't most watch people the don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I like Markel Fultz enough to put him at least in a wild card spot and have him. Well, this is your list. So I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you have that. So we'll spit him off one more time. I got Jason Tatum, Derrick Rose, Demontis Sabonis, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Ben Simmons. Kyle Lowry, and I have Jimmy Butler. No order. Jimmy Butler, Bradley Beal, Kyrie, Bam Adebayo, Ben Simmons, Tatum, Fultz. All right. And in the West, uh, for my three front court players, I have Nikola Jokic, Rudy Gobert, and Carl Anthony Towns. And then for guards, I have Russell Westbrook and Damian Lillard. And then my two wild cards are Donovan Mitchell and CP3. Yo, we was on a roll. We was on a roll there for a bit. My front court is Gobert. Carl Anthony Towns and Jokic, just like you. Um, my guards are DeMar DeRozan. Mm, that, I can't argue with that. He's been yeah, playing I great just, lately. I, and as much as I want to hate it, because I'm like, Spurs, just just, just chill out. Take a season off, man. Like, we tied the record for the most consecutive playoff uh, runs or whatever. Just But he's out. been looking like Toronto DeMar. Yeah, I don't, he, he finally fit the system. And, like, I know 
because he doesn't shoot threes. And so like, if you look at his his shot chart and like uh, LaMarcus Aldridge's shot chart, it's all middies, like straight up. And Ever like, since LaMarcus started stretching the floor, that's when um, DeMar has been able to operate like he has been. Ever since they said, hey, LaMarcus, we need you to go out to the three, it's really opened up for DeMar. So it's worked for both of them, actually. Yeah, and so I got DeRozan in there with Damian Lillard, and then my wild cards are going to be Booker, Devin D. Books, and D'Angelo Russell. Hmm. D. Loading. Not bad. I he's been putting up great numbers loading. this year, too. I mean, I know he's been injured for some time as well, but yeah, yeah, I, I can't argue with you on Booker, too. I so, so badly wanted to put him in there. I really did. Yeah, he's. And unfortunately, just, I was one of the guys when picking this where I had to choose wins over, yeah, you know, the actual player himself. So I'll tell you who I left out from the East and from the West. There's just one player each. In the East, I decided to leave out Zach Levine. Yeah, I wanted to put him in too. He's been putting up good numbers, but he's a slightly inconsistent on the – when it comes to his shooting and um again his his team is not doing great right now and then of course in the west I left out Devin Booker but man I really wanted to put him in I think it was between him and Donovan Mitchell mm-hmm. and Donovan Mitchell has been killing it with the Jazz and they're Yo. you know 3 or 4 in the west right now so yeah. uh but we'll see how it shakes out on on Thursday I'm I'm more excited to see this than I was the starters, mm-hmm. to be honest. Because we kind of know who the starters are going to be yeah. more than likely. Maybe the East was a little bit shaky. I think most people actually expected Jimmy Butler to get the nod above a guy like maybe Joel Embiid or Pascal Siakam. But yeah. um, it is what it is. But I'm excited to see that for uh, Thursday. It is what it is. Here's some quick news for you guys. Just some little... Tidbits here. Okay. Tidbits. Uh, yesterday, weird, weird news. Buddy Heald was replaced in the starting lineup for the sta- for the Sacramento Kings by Bogdan Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich, yeah. however you say it. He so was original. replaced in the starting lineup, which is very, very odd. The Sa- Sacramento Kings have not been playing very well this year, unfortunately. Last year they were fun. Like mm-hmm. they were fun and now they're just like a drag. They, they signed were, they were Sacktown last year. They were Sacktown. And in the summer they signed all these veterans like Corey Joseph and Trevor Reza and uh maybe to combine the youth and the veteranship to hopefully make that playoff push. Mm-hmm. Plus all their injuries, it just has not worked. Uh last year they ranked really high in pace for their team, and this year they're way down there. And I just thought getting rid of Dave Yeager overall last year was a bad move uh, to hire Luke Walton, which at this point I'm I'm truly convinced he's just not a good coach. He yeah. is an assistant coach and that at the best. Yeah. He didn't work out for the Lakers and he's not really doing that right now with the Kings. But overall, this this little move just like was weird because Buddy Heald signed this huge contract extension and has been very vocal to the media and not necessarily in a good way just as almost like kind of changed uh the perception of him maybe a little bit and yeah. that he's more vocal and he'll say things to Vladi Divac 
like, this is why you paid me or this is why you should pay me and all this stuff. And I was just like, this is weird. Yeah. Um, and then this happens and listen, I don't watch all the Kings games in the world and I'm not going to sit here and try to act like I do. Um, so I was kind of scrolling through Twitter to kind of get a feel of why I guess the Kings did this. And from what I read, um, we know this about Buddy Heald. He is not afraid to take any shot, um, almost like a product of Steph Curry where he, he'll pull it from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but it hasn't been working for the Kings. It hasn't been going down as consistently. And he's just been bad on the defensive end, uh, which is why I think they made this change. And according to last night, it worked for them. He came off the bench, put up okay numbers. And Bogdan didn't put up great numbers, but they did get the win. So I also heard that another reason for Jaeger's dismissal was he was thinking about the fact that Buddy Heald might operate better as a sixth man. And now Luke Walton's making this change. Uh, so I don't know. This is, this is weird news, but what were your thoughts on this? Um, just looking <coughs> at it and seeing a bit of him uh, playing, it feels like he's it feels like he's going back to the Oklahoma days when he was back over with the Sooners. And, I mean, he had to do everything because he was the guy over there. And so he would, you know, take those ridiculous shots. He would drive and try and do everything for the team. Because he pretty much had to. And so I guess now because he's in the NBA and that style of play doesn't really doesn't really bode well for a player like him because he's not like too undersized, but I mean the NBA is full of killers, man. Right. And so you're not gonna be able to do things you were able to do in college. And it feels like he's just trying to go out there and just be too loose. And so maybe this change is happening because I feel like it'd be good for him to come off the bench and be a little bit humble yeah. and come out there and just fit a specific role and just do that job well. Right. And then maybe later on in the season, be back in the starting role. Once you've been humbled a little bit and you've been able to like sharpen an area of your game because you've been working at it so long. And Bogdanovich has a little bit of size on him. So let him go out there and be like defensive guy and kind of like get the stops and all that stuff. And then let Buddy Hill come in on the back end and just – drain threes, you know, just pick on a team that's been kind of taken apart by their starters a little bit. To hu- I, to I like humble it. him, but also if this works really well, maybe he just realizes like He's what's better for the team is me coming off the bench. Yeah. And I also know that – Go talk to Lou Will. Sure, yeah. And for a couple of years, like he was a starter, Lou Will was. And then somebody told him – I mean, we talked about this on a – a couple podcasts ago where he was basically humble too, where somebody told him like, and he realized I'm better coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, so they got to do what's best for the team. I don't know how much Buddy Heald cares about his brand, um, but if you want to make it to the playoffs, you got to do it by any means possible. So this is, this is a bold move yeah, by Luke Walton. Uh, and I also know that Bog, Bogdan is in a contract year. So teams have been inquiring about him, including like the Lakers and stuff to be, uh, a shooter, maybe on a playoff team or even a young team. And so maybe the Kings are in a position where if this works for them, they can convince Bogdan like, hey, you can stay here and you can start because we you've seen that it works for us now. So maybe it does work for them. And um, I think he's restricted, so they'd have to match whatever any team also throws at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it depends how much they want to put out there. So maybe it works for the Kings, maybe not. We'll see. I hope it does. 
some unfortunate news, Wayne. Uh, the center for the Mavericks, Dwight Powell, who's been the main kind of pick and roll guy for Luka Doncic, just a rim roller, able to get up there, uh, make some easy dunks, just is a really almost like one of those pure hustle players. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he was out on the three-point line this week and just did a jab step from the three-point line to take it in and just went down, looked back at his leg like the did same. It? Yeah. It, dude, it it popped, man. And it the popped. players wear those leg tights now so you can see everything that happens. Yeah. You know, it's weird, but really unfortunate for the Mavs who are in the playoff hunt, and he's a really important player in regards to that for Luka because Kristaps is not that for Luka. Like, he's not a rim roller. He's not going to go – jump up there like Dwight is he's got more size on him than KP does yeah um so people were questioning like hey does do the Mavs need to just stay low like just ride it out wait for him to get healthy and come back and they made a move they went out and got Willie Colley Stein who is Willie Trill yeah Willie Trill who's not been a great player in the NBA but with the right situation anything can happen so what do you think about him potentially fitting in the the Mavs kind of mold with with what they're doing. Well, we kind of talked about this a little bit um pre <laughs> pre-pod. Uh he's he's kind of the same style as Dwight Powell as in like the pick and roll, roll to the basket, just get up there. Kind of like what the Rockets do with Clint Capella and James Harden where he sets a pick front of the basket, if he throws it up to you, slam it down. If he goes for the shot, just be there for the rebound and stuff like that. And so Willie Cauley Stein obviously has the size, and he's got he's got some he got some little muscle to him, and so I think just really getting him in the mix with um, Luca and just running drills and running practice with them and just really getting him integrated into this whole um, offense is going to help them out. I mean, obviously you're going to miss Powell because he's been there and he knows the system, and so Willie Cauley Stein is going to come in and he's going to have to pick up where he left off, but. I feel like you're not really going to miss too much of a step because they're kind of identical in the same thing. Except Willie Cauley-Stein doesn't really shoot that well. And doesn't have um, as much muscle as Dwight did. Yeah, so you're gonna you're kind of going to miss a little bit of the um, being able to – I mean, he's, he's going to be a pretty much a simple player. Like, you're going to go out there, you're going to know exactly what to expect from him. He's, so, he's going to be in, in one role. And that's simply yeah. to to roll to the basket. Yeah, one uh, is to roll and and get up there. And I think for him, the most important thing is to make sure that on the defensive end, that he's also doing things that that matter for this Mavs. Because the Mavs are number one in offensive rating, I think right now. Um, so that part's not going to be difficult. I think for him on the defensive end, just making sure that he can anchor it down low with KP, which KP does a decent job at that right now. All right, in this segment, we call this, what's the status? What's the status, What's the status? This is basically where me and Wayne choose our worst stat line of the week and our best stat line of the week. So, me and Wayne are actually in agreement Mm -hmm. on our worst for this week because we witnessed it in the flesh. Yes, with my eyes, my ojos. Mr. James Harden. On Monday night, in a loss, in a grand total of 38 minutes, had 29 points on 9 of 29 shooting with 6 assists and 9 rebounds. However, 
The shooting line was already bad enough as it was. Mm -hmm. But get this, Wayne. Something we've already talked about. Mm -hmm. One for 17 from the three-point line. That is cringeworthy, ladies and gentlemen. I made my heart skip a beat. Oh my God. Some bad decisions at the end of the game, too, from him. A little bit too much complaining to the ref. Mm -hmm. So he, we, me and Wayne are both in agreement. He receives our worst stat line of the week. I didn't even realize it was that bad until I looked at it just now, and I was like, oh, my, 9 of 29? Eee. That hurts. You don't realize that when you're at the game because yeah. you're in the swing of things. Yeah. But, so you're like, you know you miss a lot of shots, but right, you missed 20 shots. Bro, reel it back. Drive to the basket. Oh, man. Wayne, what's the status for you on the best the stat best, line of the week for you personally? The best stat line of the week for me goes to none other than that man, Zion Williamson, against, <laughs> against my Spurs, where he went off for 22 points. He was tied for the um, the, the – Leading scorer on his team with Brandon Ingram, who also had 22 points. Um, but Zion Williamson went 8 for 11 um, shooting, 4 4 from 3. What? 7 rebounds. What? 3 assists, and 1 foul. So, and he had like 5 turnovers in that game. In his NBA season. debut. In his NBA debut, it's not bad. I mean, all the four of those threes in crunch time. In crunch time in the fourth quarter, three of them like wide open. Me and Wayne were both it. wrong on our predicted stat line for. For yes. Zion from last week. We yes. both said 15 points, somewhere around seven-ish assists and two or three. Or, I'm sorry, seven rebounds and two or three assists. Mm -hmm. And I said no threes. Yeah. I think yeah. I said no threes too, right? I don't know. I think you said that he was going to go 0 for 3 from 3. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe that was me. I don't know. Uh, However, we were really wrong. <laughs> yeah. He shut both of us up. So, yeah, that's my best stat line of the week. Shout out to you, Zion Williamson. We love you, dog. All right, the status for me on the best is Mr. Damian Lillard. Dame time, bro. Dame time. Dame against, against the Golden State Warriors this week, a game that went to overtime. Listen to this stat line, Wayne. Oh, I remember this one. 61 points. Yes, sir. 10 rebounds and 7 assists. On 17 of 37 shooting, he went 11 of 20 from the three-point line, and 16 for 16 from the free-throw line. Wow. Talk about carrying a team on your back. Talk about clutch. Oh, dude, this game, he was – and they panned over to Steph Curry on the sideline for a little bit, and you could just see, like, the amazement even from Steph Curry in this mm -hmm. game. Just clutch basket after clutch basket. So he gets it for me. Somebody saved him. Yeah, man. Get him some help. And if it doesn't mean getting him out of Portland, just send him something. Please. They made a trade for Trevor Ariza this week. They sent Kent Bazemore to the Kings and Trevor Ariza to Portland. So, 2020 that's championship, baby. <laughs> what it do, baby? All right, that's going to be it for us, you guys. So, just a quick reminder. We live in a world where Zion Williamson goes 4 for 4 from 3 and where James Harden goes 1 for 17 from 3. Just think about that this week. Adios. Bye.